welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Uh, welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. Uh, the title of this meeting is Balancing Life and Recovery. This is a closed meeting. Only conference attendees registered as sexaholics may attend this meeting. This is a topic meeting. I will introduce the topic, and then there will be time allotted for sharing on on the topic. Uh, SA is an anonymous program. Many of us carry cell phones and mobile computers capable of audio and visual recording. To maximize our commitment to anonymity, we cannot allow the use of these, these devices for recording of anything inside the conference. I'm going to read briefly from... Uh, excerpts from the uh, participation guidelines in the essay white book as follows. There is no crosstalk. We don't interrupt, interrupt others. We don't give advice. We talk in the I, not the we or the you, speaking from our own experience. We avoid politics, religious dogma, and other divisive issues. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. We avoid dumping, self-pity, and blaming others. That is, we uncover and work on our own defects, not those of others. We refer to our own experiences. In sharing, we give of ourselves to others in the group. We get back recovery. Um, we've asked a volunteer to read the problem. Somebody have that? Glenn? Glenn? Many of us felt inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. Our insides never matched what we saw on the outsides of others. Early on, we came to feel disconnected from parents, from peers, from ourselves. We tuned out with fantasy and masturbation. We plugged in by drinking in the pictures, the images, and pursuing the objects of our fantasies. We lusted and wanted to be lusted after. We became true addicts. Sex with self, promiscuity, adultery, dependency relationships, and more fantasy. We got it through the eyes, we bought it, we sold it, we traded it, we gave it away. We were addicted to the intrigue, the tease, the forbidden. The only way we knew to be free of it was to do it. Please connect with me and make me whole, we cried with outstretched arms. Lusting after the big fix, we gave away our power to others. This produced guilt, self-hatred, remorse, emptiness, and pain. And we were driven ever inward, away from reality, away from love, lost inside of ourselves. Our habit made true intimacy impossible. We could never know real union with another because we were addicted to the unreal. We went for the chemistry, the connection that had the magic, because it bypassed intimacy and true union. Fantasy corrupted the real. Lust killed love. First addicts 
then love cripples, we took from others to fill up what was lacking in ourselves, conning ourselves time and again that the next one would save us. We were really losing our lives. Thank you, Glenn. For the next uh, several minutes, I will share uh, my experience, strength, and hope uh, on this topic. Um, and after that, uh, our co-leader, Rob here, will introduce himself and share as well, and then we'll open it up to the group. Um, this is a recorded meeting, and the recorder cannot be turned off. If you choose to share, you must speak clearly and directly into this microphone. So I've come up here and use one of the chairs or stand. Um, by choosing to speak, you give consent to all-star media to record your share. You may choose to introduce yourself by another name or your initials if you so desire. All-Star Media is an outside vendor carefully selected by the Unity Conference Planning Committee. And by the terms of our contract, All-Star Media may sell and distribute these audio recordings to registered conference attendees on-site this weekend only. Again, I'm Russ. I'm a sexaholic. Balancing life and recovery. Seems like a very broad topic, but a good one. Um, let me start with how it was. Prior to recovery, and I, the first time I stumbled into an SA meeting was in February of 1990. Prior to that, my life had always been frantic, overcommitted, uh, over my head. I was always involved in things over my head. Uh, and, and out of control. And that was before you layered on hundreds and thousands of hours of acting out. So th there was no sense of balance. Uh, I spoke of balance all the time in those days, uh, but I thought what it meant was pounding away at whatever situations and circumstances seemed to be, to me, to be the problem. It was that guy. It was this situation. It was this job. It was whatever. And so I was going to balance things by fixing that. But there was always a that. There always were many that. Um, so eventually uh, what happened was I hit the proverbial crash to the bottom in my addiction and in my out-of-control life. Everything seemed lost. Uh, I thought at that point I'd probably lost my kids, my wife, myself. Certainly had no self-respect left. And I had no hope. There was no hope in me to fix anything anymore. There wasn't a situation or a circumstance at that moment that afforded me any hope that I could fix anything. The only paths left to me, as I was convinced of it, were either death or recovery, and thankfully somebody in that, almost that moment, pointed me towards 12-step recovery. Otherwise, I, I don't know what would have happened. So I chose, however imperfectly, recovery in SA. And that was, and has been, a pretty rocky road for me. It's been a lot of steps forward and back over the years. How it is now, well, I understand a few things now from... Uh, recovery and uh, time of, re of sobriety, uh, which used to elude me. 
the path to any understanding and any quality of life or any balance, however defined in my life, has been pr- primarily the steps and the program which my higher power has used as means to recover me. Um, I cannot ha- have any hope to have any balance or any serenity, any peace or any joy without the connection with my higher power and him doing for me what I can't do for myself. But several things that I've come to understand, any semblance of balance in life, balancing life and recovery for me, depends upon continuous recovery and sobriety. There, there, there's just as a bottom line when it comes to my life in, in SA and in recovery, meetings, frequent contacts with people in the program, actively working steps, reading, being on the phone. There's just a whole set of things that, uh, bottom line, if I'm not continuously involved in those, you can kiss balance goodbye. There's, it's going to go quick. It goes away now anyway from time to time, and I have to recover from that, you know, in the moment. Um, number two, balance for me is not the same as it probably is for a lot of you are being individuals, but it certainly isn't the same thing as it is for people out there who aren't in recovery. Um, if they're not in recovery, and I'm thinking here of members of my own extended family, they're, they're not going to see 6.30 a.m. meetings and several nights a week taken up with meetings instead of activities with the family or being on the phone at all odd times, you know, or going to a conference like this as balance. To, you know, that's total imbalance to somebody that doesn't get this program. Um, Saturday mornings with sponsees and, and uh, so forth. But, but, but to me, that's a balanced life. That's a balanced life for me today. Without it, I don't have any balance. Thirdly, when it comes to my life outside of meetings and program activities, balance isn't some static position that I reach or attain and just keep it there. The balance point moves all the time because situations and circumstances change. For example, uh, in the middle of my time so far in recovery, I had a very serious bout with, uh, with cancer necessitated a number of major surgeries, a lot of hospital time, a lot of home care time. You know, it was pretty rugged stuff. Well, I guarantee you the balance point moved. You know, it wasn't life as usual, but it still was life in recovery. Um, I've had since then a couple of hip replacements. Well, you know, that's not the end of the world, but that'll change your balance point a little bit. We've had family crises where our adult One or more of our adult kids have gotten to one crisis or another. That'll change the balance point. So the balance point moves. Before recovery, I thought if I could just hammer this thing down and this thing down, I'll reach balance and I'll have it. Forevermore, I'll have a balanced life, which was untrue, kind of, kind of absurd when I think about it now. But that's, that's the way my brain worked then. Number four. Uh, and this one has been a hard one for me. It's getting easier, 
as I practice it. Um, but seeking balance sometimes means saying no to otherwise reasonable or even attractive requests. Whether it's made, whether it's a request made by someone else of me, even, even a, even a program related request, or whether it's something that I concoct that maybe is a great opportunity that I'm going to think about doing, I have to say no to myself sometimes too, if I hope to maintain some kind of serenity and balance in my life and recovery. Uh, some of these are good things. For example, I, I recently was, Thinking about making a trip overseas, uh, on a, at least partly or mostly program function. And, uh, I had to ultimately decide not to, I wanted to do it. It would have been a, a real lot of fun to do, but I had to say no because it was out of whack. It was out of balance. My life was not going to stay in any kind of functional balance if I did that thing. So I said no. Um, it's hard for me to say no. I spent my whole life saying yes, no matter what it was, <laughs> you know. And so that's that's kind of the those are kind of four things that uh, that I that I know and practice these days, imperfectly, but I do. Uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Rob to introduce himself and share a little bit. Thanks, Russ. I'm Rob, sexaholic. <clears throat> I kind of like this concept uh, this afternoon, um, and I was thinking about how I might share how this has been impactful in my recovery and even before my recovery, <clears throat> I would have to say that the notion of balance for me has the implications of some degree of a regular rhythm to it. Um, and what I mean by that is, <clears throat> well, let's take you back before I was in recovery. When I was acting out and when I Maybe when I recognized that lust and the acting out that I was participating in was becoming a matter of being for keeps and I was no longer in control, I would spend countless hours engaged in whatever the activity of du jour was, you know, whether that was masturbation or spending days in chat rooms or looking after images that were going to set me off on either the computer or, or wherever I might find that. <clears throat> and as a consequence of that, I would go into what I would call the zone, for lack of a better word for it. Okay, I was in the zone. And uh, invariably, I would just waste and whittle away hours in this uh, state of mental fog, for lack of a better description. But invariably after I wasn't able to either act out or was able to come to some degree of fruition and as a consequence of acting out, I would come back out of the zone and recognize that, oh my God, I have spent five hours doing this thing. I'll share kind of a funny story with you um, and, and then I'm going to talk about balance. <clears throat> I guess I kind of got the notion that people who were around me weren't quite so clever as me when I was acting out. And uh, on the weekends, it wasn't terribly uncommon for me to get to a point where either I got frustrated or angry at my wife or angry at something around me, even though I was surrounded by people who I loved. And I felt like I just needed to go and act out someplace. So I tell my wife I need to go to the store because I had to get a tool. 
like a screwdriver, you know? And then I would go off into my, the zone and I would just chase after whatever. And, uh, four hours later, I'd come back and she'd look at me and she would go, screwdriver, huh? And I'd say, well, they didn't have the right one in the place where I was going. So I needed to get, you know, Phillips said number four or something like that. Something that I knew that she wouldn't necessarily understand because I was so smart. <laughs> but she wasn't quite that stupid either. <clears throat> so my life was always a matter of trying to catch up with myself. If I had, I could, there, and there was no concept of this rhythm that I was re- referring to, this balance which implied rhythm. Um, at work, I would, when I worked, I was I work in a major city, uh, as a part of Los Angeles and I was in, uh, in a, in a production, uh, employment where I was constantly required to produce, uh, either product or service. Um, but I was an early riser and I would get to work very early. I was on an early shift and, uh, and I had my own office and I had a door and I had a lock on it and, uh, I could go in there and, uh, and, uh, most days when I was really in the throes of my addiction, um, I would just spend hours chasing after something. And the thing was, I never knew what it was I was chasing after. I would just chase after it. And, uh, then I would come out of that funk and recognize, oh my God, it's two in the afternoon. I've been here since six in the morning and I haven't done a thing. And then the terror would, would strike. It's like, I've got six deadlines that I was supposed to be done with by noon and I haven't done anything yet. So I would backpedal for the rest of the day and wind up working until seven o'clock that night or so. And, um, then I'd hop on the freeway and mind you, at that point in time, I was living in Orange County. So I was driving, you know, traffic was better at that point in the the day. But unfortunately, what I'm going to introduce was this concept of balance and synchronization. When I got home, my family had already had dinner. My dinner was in the refrigerator getting cold. My wife was already working with the kids or had gotten done with their homework and stuff and putting them to bed. And I was coming home to a cold meal that was either in the refrigerator and, and, and talk about perpetuating isolation. That's what I did. And this went on not for weeks. This was years of this. I would do this and this behavior just, it, it, it got to the point where I became a man living in the walls in my own house. I wasn't an active participant. I was just there inside the walls and um, because I had no balance. So let's fast forward a little bit after some very painful things that happened in my life. And I'm going to be speaking a little bit later on tonight, and I won't bore you with the details now. I'll bore you then with them. <laughs> but when I got into recovery, I had to recognize a thing that one of my sponsors had told me that really needed to be brought to life and as it relates to my experience. And that was that recovery had to happen for me, as with most people, in three areas. And he stressed that the spiritual side of recovery had to come first. I had to become spiritually at one with the higher power of my understanding. Because when I was able to do that, then I could strike a balance and the other areas that were out of kilter, my physical, the areas of my physical and my emotional realms, which pretty much made up the pie chart of my life anyway. And um, it wasn't until I really applied myself to the steps uh, at that juncture that I was able to start to put a little bit of balance back, meaning I wasn't as compelled to do the behaviors that 
really set me off. Not that the triggers weren't there any longer because they most certainly were. But the way that I responded to those triggers, I could call someone or I could get on my knees and pray about where I needed to be and what I had to do and try to keep to that schedule. And as long as I was keeping to the schedule that – or at least as closely as I possibly could because I think we all are aware of the fact that with – all the best of intentions we get up in the morning and have kind of a pseudo agenda of what we think we want to do that day only to be bombarded with other things. But that's okay because as long as I'm working within the boundaries of what is appropriate for a recovered individual, I can get back to the things that I needed to do. I was still moving forward. When I was in my addiction, I was just a neutral and I would just be in that zone or the fog of of my addiction and and then I would have to backpedal and work do- at double speed in order to effectively try to catch up with something that I pretty much never could anyway. It was – I mean I was so out of kilter. Um, so another thing that I – so in the, in the greater cosmos of things, one of the, one of the benefits of being able to, to apply some of the spiritual – concepts of my recovery was then all of a sudden my emotional life started to become more in balance and um and uh, and then i found that i that although i was still tempted and bothered by temptations and there were triggers and there were plenty of them um i didn't have to succumb to them necessarily i had something on my agenda that i needed to do and and for the first time in my life that was more important than what I thought I needed to do, which was go and act out. And what I'm trying to say was, <clears throat> I'll draw an analogy between when I was in the throes of my addiction, um, if I was traveling on a 10-wide lane uh, uh, freeway like the 405 and I had seen an, an object of my fantasy in the slow lane of the other side of the freeway, I had to pull the U-turn just to go after that. But when I got into recovery and I re- recognized that I needed to be a member of the human race again, I could see that same picture or that same image and recognize that I had more important things that I needed to do. And I could say, God, maybe later, but right now I've got to do what I have to do. And um, I'm happy to say that when I started to part- practice those um, behaviors, uh, then the uh, – the compulsion became less and less. All the temptations didn't go away, but the compulsion to engage in those temptations became less and less. And so these days I, what I do is I, I deliberately at the beginning of most of my days, even on the weekends, I'll write a little list of things that I need to get done. And I like what Russ had to say. You know, I mean, life gets in the way. when, when Even when we have our, our perfect agenda set up, and yeah, we can get pissed off about the fact that something needs to be done that we didn't even plan on. That happened to me even just this week. But what was cool about it was, I mean, it got me out of kilter. I was on the freeway all day long one day, and I didn't get to do one thing on my 10-item list of things I needed to do. But another thing that a, ver- that a very wise sponsor said to me, he said, you know, Rob, <clears throat> if you can make it through the day and you don't have to act out, then you are a success that day. And everything else, that just falls into the pecking order under that. So I was able to, on the end, at the end of that day, feeling quite uh, defeated by the fact that I didn't get anything done but run from point one point A to one point B, I was able to say, thank you, God for the opportunity to be a service to somebody else and to keep me sober today. 
So with that, I'm going to open up the sharing. And uh, if you guys want to come forward and share a little bit about your own experience as it relates to the topic, um, we, uh, we'll turn over to you. Oh, I just wanted to interject uh, a couple things. One, Glenn, are you able to beat the timer? Okay, so, you know, not that we're going to be dogmatic about it, but maybe set it for three minutes. The other thing is this is scheduled to go till 3.45, but it's up to us how long we want this meeting to go. Not longer than that, but if it ends sooner than that, we'll cut it off sooner than that. But everybody who wants to share up until 3.45 will get a chance to do that. Okay. Uh, So who would like to start the sharing? I'm Mark, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, The topic of balance in this program and my life um, in the program, uh, for me, I I operate by the concept that this program is number one in my life and that everything else flows from that, my relationship with God, my family, uh, my home, uh, other people. It all flows from that. So the program has got to be number one in my life. So I go to meetings, six, seven meetings a week. Um, I go to the camp out. I come to this convention. I try to go to as many activities as I possibly can. And uh, of late, however, uh, since we've gotten an RV, we're on the road. And I found that I have a problem. Once I get on the road, guess what? There's no meetings in Parker, Arizona, there's a couple of AA meetings, and they don't meet real regular. And I started to realize that we're going through Nevada, and there's only one in Idaho Falls, and there's another one in Boise. And I'm going, I'm in Twin Falls, what do I do? And I realized that I needed something, so I started using the phone and going to phone meetings. And I did a phone meeting every day for a couple of weeks uh, while we're on the road. And that made me stay connected to the program. And I found that if I make the program important in my life, and balance it out with other activities, that life gets really, really good. But if I neglect the program, I let my addict come back to me, and let my addict start tempting me, saying, oh, you can you can watch a little bit of that. You can go to that website. It's okay. Uh, it ruins my day. And uh, so I've got to find – I found that by <clears throat> keeping the program important in my life, everything else seems to work out pretty well. Um I, I, I the, the nice thing about these crappy things we call a cell a cell phone has a calendar in it. You can put the activities that are coming up, and you can plan your other activities around them. And one of the nice thing I think was mentioned you can learn to say no to people is that no, I can't go to I can't go to the RV show this weekend because I've got this convention I'm going to. Uh, I can't do this uh, Wednesday night because I've got another meeting I have to go to. And it, it's easy to say that, and then people understand, oh, okay, and can we do this other night? Certainly. And you allow things to schedule around them. So for me, this program is the most important thing in my life. But I do balance it with family activities. I mean, if I weren't at this convention tonight, I'd be at my grandson's football game. And last week I was on the chain gang, marking the chains and moving up and down the field, which is kind of fun. I've never done that before. Um, but I felt okay to do it. And so um, – uh, it was a, a unique experience, but I couldn't do it this week because guess what? I'm here. You know, the game starts at 4:30. I, <laughs> I'm not going to make the game. I'm here at this convention, and this is the this is what 
in my mind, balance is all about. You can do some things and you can't do other things. So uh, with that, I just say that for me, the topic of balance uh, is an ongoing one. It's something I have to work at. But uh, again, I, I keep the program number one. The program is what makes everything else flow in my life. So thank you for letting me share. We got lots of time, guys. <laughs> My name is Robin, sexaholic. Um, I have an interesting balance in my life now. Um, as I progressed through the program, I dealt uh, with a lot of my character defects that affected my relationships with other people. Um, and the program has been really, really helpful in these character defects. Um, I don't have a lot of anger now in my relationships with other people. I don't carry a lot of resentment around. Um, <clears throat> my fear is decreased greatly um, at work with friends. Um, um, my relationship with my wife has improved greatly. She's been very ill and I've had to take care of her and I've uh, had to like put aside uh, a lot of attitudes and feelings uh, about that and um, willingly, willingly uh, care for her. Um, and I've taken pleasure from that. Um, despite that, I don't have balance in my life because uh, I'm still acting out. Um, and lust is out of control in my life. So uh, when I think of balance, um, uh, I don't have balance. And while the program has been great for me in many respects, uh, I, I, am I still act out. Um, and um, so uh, I struggle with balance in that regard. And um, so I'm really, really grateful to what the program has offered me. Um, but I have a whole other aspect of my life now that I have to work on and, um, and deal with and um, – I got a new sponsor a few months ago, and he and I are beginning to work on um, working on uh, working on my lust and um, figuring out how to get that into better balance. Um, and uh, I know I will never be free from temptation, um, but as my sponsor says. Uh, Roy said uh, he recognized that he will never be uh, lust-free, but he is free not to lust one day at a time. Um, and I need to be able to get that kind of balance into my life where I uh, can uh, trust that I can use the principles of the program um, so that I um, do not have to uh, – I can be free – uh, from lust one day at a time. Until now, that's not the case for me. Thank you.
Um, I'm Nigel, I'm a sexaholic. <coughs> um, so I'm a, uh, you know, coming into the program, um, I'm a drug addict, I'm a meth addict, and uh, when you're on meth, um, balance, you're so off balance, really, your entire life, entire everything is off balance, that um, it was actually easier for me, relatively easy, I should say, coming back to balance, because any small um, adjustment I made to my life was an improvement. Um, going to bed early, huge improvement, because I never went to bed. When you're on meth, you're just you're staying awake for days. Eating properly, huge improvement. So anything I did uh, early on in my recovery just gave me so much more of a return on investment. You know, going to bed early, you know, staying healthy, uh, running, just small little tweaks to my life. Um, I'm finding now recovery balance as I get further and further on into recovery. I'm now uh, seven months in recovery from SA and uh, nine months in recovery from uh, meth addiction. The further I get into my recovery, now I've exhausted all those minor advantages and I'm going to bed early, all those things are happening. Um, I find it a little harder to stay in balance because now every little thing I do doesn't give me as much of a ROI, so to speak. Um so I can't I can go if I go to bed a half an hour earlier than I go to bed now, nothing much happens from that. If I eat any more healthier than I eat now, nothing much happens from that. If I exercise any more health, you know, it's so so now it's a different phase of balance for me. It's it's more about okay, good, I've gotten past that hurdle, the seven month, the nine month hurdle, all that good stuff. I'm working the steps, uh, my sponsor, I'm, you know, doing all the stuff. So so now balance for me becomes a very spiritual condition. Uh, it's a very mental thing as opposed to all those practical things. The practical stuff I had to do to get to balance. But now I've done all the practical stuff. Now it's a very mental thing. And I've, I'm a Buddhist as well. So for me, balance is, is, and it's sort of that same thing, you know, for me, balance is coming to center, staying in the center and you're in balance. It's the same thing, staying in the present moment for me. Uh, and that's what I strive to in, in meditation and things like that. When I meditate every day, uh, in our, in my Buddhist meditation, it's, it's staying with the present moment, no matter how painful it is, no matter how uncomfortable and no matter how joyful, whatever it may be, but always staying with it and never wavering to the past or the future because, um, there's just nothing there. It's all an illusion. So, um, so for me, Balance now takes that form. It's a, it's a spiritual aspect. Uh, the practical aspect of it doesn't, as long as saying, obviously that's needed. I need to stay, do all of that. But for me now, balance is, is that staying present, staying grounded, and staying focused. So thanks. Thank you. Jeff, and I'm a sexaholic. It's a really great topic. Uh, balance is probably one of the biggest things I pray for every morning because uh, – and I'm, I'm going to share with some weakness because uh, I don't understand the balance. I, I know I have to stay sober. I know I have to uh, get recovery. But uh, I found that it, it can't be everything in my life. It has to be number one, and I have to go to my meetings, and I have to uh, – uh, have a sponsor and I have to work steps and there's a lot of stuff I do, but, uh, 
I also have a home life, uh, and I have to be there for my wife. I, she's uh, watching some kids today, and, and I called her, and she says, I would really like you to be here, but, you know, I'm, uh, I've made a commitment to be here, too. And I just told her, I said, let me uh, let me see how it goes. I'll just call you around dinner time, and, and I'm not sure when I'll be back. Uh, but she knows that uh, this is something I need in my life. Uh, and then I have also have my work life. Uh, I have a business, and and I have to uh, take care of my customers, and I have guys that work for me, and I have to be a good boss, and I have to put a certain amount of energy in that. So what I pray for is because what happens is I get really involved in uh, in my sobriety and my program, and I'm going to meetings, and then I take commitments, and I recently. Uh, volunteered to do be on an H&I committee. And it's something that just I felt like God called me to do. But I'm thinking, it's like, how do I have any more time? How do I, how do I balance this to where, you know, my wife is okay, my job is okay? Because it seems like in my life is I put energy here and, and, and the sobriety and sobriety is good. And then I was like, I'm putting too much there. I, my business is failing. So I need to go back. I talked to my sponsor, like, you need to do more with your business. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to do, 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 do. And I put some energy over there. So, um, and this is, this is kind of a bounce around thing for me. And then my wife is saying, I don't get enough from you. You're always gone. I'm here. <laughs> three nights a week and you're gone and you're just not here and we got problems and then I got, you know, maybe I better back off a little bit. So it is one thing I pray for. And and I haven't, I'd like to sit up here and say, man, I got the life by, you know, God is great to me and everything is just because of this program and because of steps, uh, everything's perfect in my life. But, you know, this is part of just living, living life. And uh, uh, I do pray a lot. Uh, and I do, I do know, uh, in my heart, and even my wife knows that this is, this is most important. You know, it used to be my job. My job was my self-esteem or, or the good-looking girl was my self-esteem or whatever it was. Lust is my self-esteem. And I built on that. Uh, I realized today that, that, uh, being a sober member of Sexaholics Anonymous and helping other people is really a God calling. Uh, and I need to, uh, put program first because if I don't put program first, God goes out the door. And if God goes out the door, I lose it all. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, I, I, I invited my wife here and, uh, I've invited her numerous times. And my, my hope was that, man, she's going to be an Essanon. She's got a great story, by the way. She'd be a perfect Essanon. She could probably be an Essay member, too. But I'm, I'm like thinking, God, she could, she could cure the world. She's just uh, got a great story. And I, and I'm like kind of prayed for that. And, and she says, you know what? She, I took her down to San Diego one time. And, uh, I like to share this story because, I was speaking and I thought it was about me, you know, and I get, I get to be center of attention down here. And I took, she came there with me. And, and the next day where it was a Friday night, I spoke and then Saturday was all day deal. And she didn't hang out with me one bit of the whole thing. She found a newcomer and those two were just like chit chatting it up. She didn't have lunch with me. She ignored me. I'm like, you know, this isn't about me. This is her. This is perfect. She found her place and, uh, and it, she seemed to have fun and, and when we left, she she tells me, "Don't ever ask me to do that again." 
I was like, well, there goes that one out the window. <laughs> anyway, because, you know, she knows it's good for me, uh, but she doesn't, she doesn't really care. You know, I, I like a little pat on the back because, you know, people like me around here and, and, uh, they respect me and, and I don't get a lot of respect out of it. She could care less about 12 steps and, and, uh, not that she does, could care less. She, she does understand it, but, uh, it's not for her. Uh, anyway, that's all I got to share. Thanks. Thank you. My name is Scott, and I'm a sexaholic and an, and an alcoholic, and I have many credentials on my lapel. Um, balance for me starts um, every morning at 4 a.m., 3.45. I wake up, alarm goes off, uh, dogs crawl in bed, wake us up. Um, I'm up. I go to my first meeting, which is an AA meeting, 5.30 a.m. <clears throat> There's about 40 people there. Uh, that one ends abruptly at 6.15, and then I scoot across town to make my SA meeting. And then after that, I'm at the gym, and then after that, I'm the first one into my office to open up my business. So it's like this balancing. For me, living in this cesspool, the chaotic madness, that's always been balanced for me. And that balance, that chaotic balance gave me the ability to, to like, drink, I'm in the hospitality industry, so every day we're having a party. And that drinking weakened my senses, so it gave me more time, the balance that I'm talking about, my wacky, crazy balance to um, to carouse, to womanize, to just dig, dig this huge hole. So then the sobriety comes in, working the program, getting a sponsor, spending some time with some really good men that – that, that have, that there's credibility and integrity. And uh, you start to ask these guys questions like, how are you doing it? And then I find myself, everybody here, which is probably I don't know, 35, 40 people. I bet every one of you has a really good piece of advice for a guy like me when it comes to balance, because I, I'm unbalanced. My life is completely unbalanced. So, um, but the balance right now is just, and, I can only speak for myself, but if, if I don't make that meeting, you know, that 615 meeting, I'm feeling guilty as hell. And that guilt just kind of starts, it, it's, it, it, it spins me back to kind of my, my BS. So I don't know if I have a complete grip on this balance, but, um, I'm always looking for that person that I see that I feel is, 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 is the one that I can kind of connect with, you know, like see this guy here. And if he, if his story, if I'm like, gosh, man, you know, that, that example, <laughs> but uh, I mean that I'm always looking for that one person that that's kind of walked the path before me because I'm really unbalanced right now. You know, I don't even know how to shit, man. I'm living in a small one bedroom apartment because my wife kicked me out again and uh, she's here. Thank goodness. Um, <clears throat> is that balance? Oh, no, that's not balance. Um, so I'm really, I mean, coming to meetings, talking with individuals. That's where I get my balance. Thanks for letting me share. Sure thing. Thanks. Frank Sexaholic. 
Yeah, that's a word about balance. Um, last week, uh, I was, uh, I'm getting a little bit older. Uh, and so I'm not as, uh, flexible and all that. And I was, uh, getting some gas in a Chevron station and, uh, thought I could, you know, I was, uh, cleaning the windows and I was going to lift over my leg over the, uh, the hose thing and I lost my balance <laughs> and almost, uh, pulled a hamstring. It was like a half of a hamstring pull. And you know what I'm saying that is because I was taking on a lot of stuff. That's my tendency, a people pleaser and want to give, 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 you know, service is good and all that, but then too much is too much. So I took that as I as slow down. And so here's the word I like to use instead of balance, creative tension. And, and what I mean by that, I learned that from a, a mentor for this, uh, planning of an organization meeting, um, is, uh, who really has the balance, you know, but to, to have a creative tension and meaning I'm growing, I'm progressing. And so when I get anxious, my character defects are starting to flare up. I've learned to pull over, be still and do a quick mini uh, four step inventories. But where's my part in that? And I think that's a, a neat thing to have these tools and resources to get back on track. And as someone mentioned earlier about, Recovery has got to be the top priority, but also in action and in the actions I take, not taking for granted uh, the program, the meetings. And I don't always read the literature. But when I read the literature, I'm listening very closely to the experience of others and my own experience. And then I'm working on the uh, traditions. Uh, not that I've graduated from the 12 steps, but there's a lot of principles that I try to live by and apply it in my life. And uh, thank God I've been able to weave my spiritual principles from my faith tradition. So oftentimes I'm reflecting, pondering, gratitude, praying for others, and reading stories. And of course, the white book and the big book have these stories of recovery. I find stories of faith, people who, whatever weakness or tragedy, they're able to rise up to it and be faithful to what God calls them to be and to do. So... um yeah, I'm, I'm just finding myself being faithful in the little things. There was a talk earlier about emotional intimacy, and one of the guys was saying he was being faithful to these little things, and it seemed to really speak to his wife. And so I find myself, whatever I'm doing, the garden, throwing out the trash, picking up the dog's poo, to do it with an awareness and uh, do it thoroughly. You know, do it you know, in a way that it's serving others, not just myself. And it's, it's a kind of a cultivation. I'll close my share. My spiritual mentor said, we say there's three aspects to the problem, physical, emotional, and spiritual. He says also intellectual. So I also got to feed my mind and I, I nourish it in other healthy literature that brings a balance or a wholeness to who I am and what I'm about. But thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Gary, sexolic, and uh, I know Frank, so if Frank got up, I want to get up. <laughs> and uh, a little bit nervous, but I thought it would be okay after Frank. Um, balance. Uh, I know for most of us, uh, uh, we work, or I used to work, I don't work anymore, but when you're working, it's really hard to find balance. I know that because you're on the freeway for two hours, you, you know, you're working eight hours, and companies talk about balance all the time. It's one of the big things. Uh, you know, you have to have balance in your life. You have to play a little bit. But what they really mean is we want 10 hours of work from you before you go and do your balance, okay? <laughs> um, 
But for me, you know, I'm not working now, so I get a lot of free time. What I've found is one thing, um, or two things. If you stop looking at porn, you have tons of time on your hands, okay? And I, I heard the, the guy talking about going to bed early. I go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. It's brilliant. I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, feed the dogs. I've got loads of time to do all sorts of things. But when I was working, um, I would – well, I, I haven't looked at porn for a long time now. That's a God's honest truth. And if you do that, that one thing, you've got tons of time on your hands. And um, I think that you'll find that you can schedule all of the things that you want to do in the day. And I like to plan things through the day. I write stuff down. I'm a big planner. Um, as far as balance, once you look at what's important, and I heard, uh, I forget, I asked, he hasn't got his name tag turned the right way. Thank you. Uh, Russ. Russ. Russ said that the program has to be the center of, of your whole, you know, your whole being. And when it is, that means God's the center and everything else flows from it. That's what I've found. Uh, stop looking at porn, make the program the center of your life and everything flows from it. That's what I've found. And, um, I'm probably rambling. Uh, this is the first time I've talked in front of a lot of people like this. So I'm, I'm pretty nervous, but, um, uh, that's all I've found that's really good for balance, and uh, I hope you get some balance in your life. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Hi, my name's Rodney. I'm a sexaholic. Rodney. I appreciate all the shares because um, it uh, really uh, relate to a lot of those. Um, so what I'm going to say is probably redundant in a lot of cases, but it, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, just sharing kind of helps, helps me get out of my own head. Um, I know that balance is something that, uh, that, that I personally struggle with all the time. Um, but I'm grateful to be in recovery because, uh, as was mentioned before, I started thinking about what my life was like back when I was acting out of my addiction. And my days were pretty typical because I would work from home and my wife would get up and leave for work around 8.30 in the morning. I'd get on the computer and start looking at porn. And I would do that till the garage door opened around six o'clock when she came home. Then we'd stop and we'd have dinner and we'd watch some TV. She'd go to bed and I'd get back on the computer and look at porn again some more. So that was my day. So that was my balance, uh, looking at porn all day. And, uh, you know, because I, I like to play the victim role, doing all that meant that I wasn't doing my work and I'd get behind in my work. And then people will complain, hey, what's going on? You haven't got this thing done yet, et cetera. And I'd be like, oh, well, it was me. And I'd lie and I'd say, you know what? I'm just like so swamped. I can't keep up with this stuff. So now I'm like getting sympathy from everybody else. So it's like, oh, great. Look at this is how I'm, this is how I'm keeping the balance in my life. So, um, you know, as was mentioned, you know, when I stop looking at the pornography, suddenly the balance is a lot easier to achieve when I have an extra 10 or 12 hours in my day. You can get a lot more stuff done. Um, the other thing that, um, and this is something that, that I think, you know, in the program, this, the recognition of this is, is the constant thing towards, towards my getting serenity is my whole thing of trying to live in the present. Because the living in the past or worrying about the future burns up a lot of my time. I really tend to get stuck on that. And again, now my life's out of balance. Because how much time am I wasting regretting stuff that happened in the past or worrying about the future instead of, hey, let's live right now and get the stuff done and, and be in the present moment. Um, so the more I can work on that, the better the better my balance is, is going to be. Um, so 
those are uh, those are a couple of things that that so far have helped me. And like I said, I mean, this is this is something that that I'm always trying to work on and, and get better at. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks. Chance. Brad, sexaholic. Um, in my family growing up, uh, there was a saying we would say, um, nothing in moderation. And that has become the something that I lived by. Everything I did, I threw everything into. And that included my addiction. Everything was all the way. And I find that... Um, that attitude of doing everything as hard as I can is the, um, the part of me that uses that for my validation to escape from everything. Um, and when, um, it's hard for me to live in balance because then I'm not getting that high out of, you know, putting everything into something. Um, and so, and I was hearing some shares earlier about, man, I don't really feel like I'm in balance. And I feel like for me, I'm kind of a little bit in that same state where, um, I might be in balance for a few days and then I get like all caught up in some activity when, uh, it's easy for me to swing from, from acting out in porn to some other thing that fills that hole and gap in me that makes me feel good about myself. Cause that's what, what my addiction was all about was convincing me that I was okay. And, um, so for me, I'm, I'm finding that a part of surrender for me is, not having to be perfect at what I'm doing, being able to let go of things and, and, and just do a little of them instead of going all out. And, uh, that's hard for me to do. It's hard for me to let go of that. And, uh, but in reality, it's, it's a much more peaceful place to be. So thanks for letting me share. Still have a few minutes if anybody has a burning desire to share. I'm Crystal. I'm a sexaholic. I was thinking about it. Um, my life has never been in balance, and yes, I could justify the 48-hour stretch of poor masturbation, acting out with everybody under the sun, and suddenly I have all this time. What's really worked is variety. So going to meetings every single day, going to another 12-step to get more information to help with other addictions, like I'll take a, a different route to the meeting, or instead of taking a shower, I'll take a bath, just anything that breaks up the monotony, because I found that since I couldn't go hardcore into my addiction anymore, I would go hardcore into recovery, and I get burnt out, and I wouldn't want to do it anymore, and I use an excuse to go back out, which is why four years into this program, I finally have a little sobriety, because I found I have to relax and find the variety. If it's just, yes, it's God, recovery, and everything else, but without variety, there's just no excitement that I'm looking for. I'm missing the adrenaline rush of the the drugs and the lust. So thanks for letting me share.
Well, if we don't have anybody else who wants to share, uh, we'll just close up. Heather, yeah, do we have a newcomer, Syria, this afternoon? Oh, you want to come up and share? <laughs> All right. That's fine. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hi, Eric, sexaholic. Um, so I'm super new. This is like me two weeks into joining SA. Um, and the reason I'm here is balance, actually. Um, the reason I joined SA is balance. Um, I've been doing a lot of service in my life. That's never been a problem, you know, um, I've been doing all these other things, but then I found that it was these personal defects. It was all these things that were getting in the way of that service. It was getting in the way of my relationship with my wife. It's getting in the way of my relationship with God. Um, and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't keep living that way that this, this addiction was getting, um, in the way of all that. And so I really wanted that balance. And so that's why I decided I needed recovery and that's, why I joined SA and I'm, I have no idea. I told you I'm two weeks in, so I'm hoping to learn about what that means and what that looks like, but um, that's why I'm here. Frank says, hello, this is another newcomer here, John. I'm calling you by name. John W. Oh. Yeah. This is your first time here, right? Oh, yeah. My first time here. Yeah, conference. Could you share? Come on up. I thought you meant a newcomer as far as in that safe. Come on up and share. Hi, my name is John. I'm a sex addict. Um, appreciate the shares. Um, when I was thinking about balance for myself, uh, I struggle with it because I struggle with control. And I always want to try to be in control of things. And when I when I try to do that and I always exclude God. So my own personal, uh, uh, outlook on things are very distorted. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I can't gain, I can't gain balance through that if I'm always wanting to control things. If I, if I allow God to work in my life, which I've seen, um, I can accomplish anything, but I get in my own way and I defeat my own purpose by trying to achieve, trying to achieve balance. And, um, balance is very important to me because, uh, obviously in my addiction, it was very destructive. My way of thinking, uh, how I acted toward my wife, the pain I put her through and things. So, um, I'm thankful to be here at the conference and that they have this topic on the books. And uh, thanks for letting me share. My name's Aaron. I'm a sexaholic. I'm waiting for the echo, but uh, <laughs> I always tell people, don't give me a microphone. Um, anyways, uh, balance. Yeah, you know, I was thinking... 
hear a lot and I relate to a lot of the shares, but I don't put recovery first. I don't put God first. I don't put my family first. I put them all together on a spectrum because if I put recovery first, like somebody shared, I get burnt out because when I got out of rehab, I did, they said 90 meetings in 90 days and I did 180 and I did the 12 steps in 12 weeks and I was on fire and then I got triggered and then I went back out there. You know, and it was like, I just got burnt out and I said, I don't want this recovery crap. That's not for me. You know, it's overrated and all that stuff. Um, so I got to put it all on the same level, you know, and that, that's balance for me is not putting God first, putting it with recovery, putting my family with recovery. And when I started to do that, uh, I started, I got sober, you know, and, uh, I go to five to seven meetings a week. But I do it so that I can still spend time with my family. I don't put it above my family, you know. Um, and there weren't that many meetings out in the desert where I'm from. So my sponsor said, start a meeting. So I started a 6 a.m. meeting that goes six days a week. And, you know, and so I, I did that. I made it work, you know, and, and brought balance into my life. And that, that's only because of recovery, you know, before recovery, uh, I relate to a lot of what people shared the insanity. You know, and I can share war stories with the best of them, but here's what I know for me is I don't have one more go out there. I can't take another drink. I can't go back out there. I can't have another affair. I can't, I can't get high one more time. I don't have, I'll die. I tried to kill myself twice in my addiction. I won't make it back if I go back out there. So th this is a solution for me, this recovery thing, but it's got to be in balance with my higher power, with my family, with everything. And, and so I don't put anything above anything. It's just all on one spectrum for me. And that's how I, for me in my head, you know, somebody talked about intellectual stuff. That's how I have to look at it because if I start intellectualizing it and putting one above the other, well, this is first. No, it's not. It's all there. I got to consider everything, you know, because otherwise if I put this before my wife, we're going to have a shitty relationship. If I put her before recovery, then I'm going to have the guilt and shame and not do what I need for my program. So I got to just put it all on the same level and and show up and do what I'm told and uh you know and it's working out it really is uh sober July 31st 2013 and uh and that's when I started that meeting and and life is great you know uh since then I've become self-employed uh so talk about balance I don't have to work days if I don't want to <laughs> it's pretty nice uh I own a ranch I've got 15 animals uh, life is amazing and it, it's because of this program. It's because of recovery. So if you are a newcomer, you're here for the first time or you only got two weeks, you know, like they said in, in the speaker, you know, keep coming back. It, it, it's true, but you got to do the work and it's worth it. But, uh, yeah, balance will really help you out. So anyways, thanks for listening to me. Uh, I don't want to give up the mic though. <laughs> I'm Anthony Sixali. Uh, not really new to essay, but I've uh, this is my first time at this uh, conference, and I've enjoyed. And I came to this, this particular uh, workshop because I was interested in balance. Uh, I wanted to see what I could learn out, and so I appreciate everything I've heard. I uh, balance has always been an issue uh, for me uh, all along. I've never really liked structure as a kid. I, I didn't want to have structure because 
had to do the homework, the chores, and all this stuff for and the CTV. And I never got to watch TV. By the time I got all my stuff done, it was bedtime. So I never wanted structure, uh, and I avoided it as I avoided it as an adult. Um, and I realized that uh, because I, I never had any really length of time of anything in balance, and it's. Uh, but I know it's me too. I, I can relate to stories of, you know, losing hours. Uh, just doing with nothing to show for it. What, you know, what am I, what can I say? I looked at on my phone, just fooling around. And even recently, that's, I felt that struggle. So I, I know I need to do certain things. And so it just feel like the things I don't want to do, I know I have to do. I need to put some structure in. I need to have some order in life. And, and so I, I appreciate what I've heard. And I know that, uh, you know, getting my program, working my program, really focusing on, uh, recovery is key to putting having any type of balance. So I'm just glad to be here, glad what I've heard, and I thank you all. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Would anybody else like to share? Okay, then. That's all the time that we have for sharing. In Sexaholics Anonymous, it's our primary purpose to stay sexually sober and to help others achieve sexual sobriety. Our experience teaches us that attending meetings, working the steps, and giving and receiving sponsorship are key elements in maintaining our own sobriety. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name and phone numbers of anyone you meet here or learn about an essay to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. And I have asked Crystal if she would read the solution for us. Uh, You can come up to the mic if you don't mind. Crystal Sexaholic. The solution. We saw that our problem was threefold, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Healing had to come about in all three. The crucial change in attitude began when we admitted we were powerless, that our habit had us whipped. We came to meetings and withdrew from our habit. For some, this meant no sex with themselves or others, including not getting into relationships. For others, it also meant drying out and not having sex with a spouse for a time to recover from lust. We discovered that we could stop, that not feeding the hunger didn't kill us, that sex was indeed optional. There was hope for freedom, and we began to feel alive. Encouraged to continue, we turned more and more away from our isolating obsession with sex and self and turn to God and others. All this was scary. We couldn't see the path ahead, except that others had gone that way before. Each new step of surrender felt it would be off the edge into oblivion, but we took it, and instead of killing us, surrender was killing the obsession. We had stepped into the light, into a whole new way of life. The fellowship gave us monitoring and support to keep us from being overwhelmed, a safe haven where we could finally face ourselves. Instead of covering our feelings with compulsive sex, we began exposing the roots of our spiritual emptiness and hunger, and the healing began. As we faced our defects, we became willing to change. Surrendering them broke the power they had over us. We began to be more comfortable with ourselves and others for the first time without our drug. Forgiving all who had injured us and without injuring others, we tried to right our own wrongs. It each amends more the dreadful load of guilt dropped from our shoulders until we could lift our heads, look the world in the eye, and stand free. 
We began practicing a positive sobriety, taking the actions of love to improve our relations with others. We were learning how to give, and the measure we gave was the measure we got back. We were finding what none of the substitutes had ever supplied. We were making the real connection. We were home. Thank you, Christine. After a moment of silence for the sexaholic who still suffers, please join me in the serenity prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.